you know, um, since we, we've been up here in northwest Arkansas. It's been a, a long journey, but it's been a good one. And, you know, uh, about 13 years ago, I started out in youth ministry trying to help as many teenagers as I possibly can. And uh, along the way, I've had a lot of bumps and bruises, but also have seen a lot of different things and where God has provided for families that was broken, being mended back together. And I've seen children that has been told so many times that they're worthless. They will never amount to anything. And uh, so it was all preparing me for what I was going to endure uh, up here and the kids that we've had since we've been here, just to see how they are when they come into our home. And then by the time they leave, to see the difference on their face is just amazing. And, and all I can say is, how great is our God? Because it's not me, it's not Brittany. It's our God taking a hold of these kids' life and changing it. And in return, he's changing our lives. He's strengthening us. He's provided numerous time financially, even where there was times we didn't know what we was going to do financially. We didn't know what we was going to do as far as the next year. But we know as long as we stay faithful, and that's the big key, Stay faithful and stay willing to do whatever he calls you to do. Then his provision, his hope, and his promise will always be there. And I've got to watch uh, uh, Vincent and Brittany uh, with youth, and it is evident that they love, uh, they love youth and they love the kids, and that's a genuine, uh, genuine compassion. And Ken brags on them much uh, at New Beginnings to me. And I know they're doing a wonderful job. So, anyone else? I'm really not stalling because I do have a message. It's, uh, it's actually on God's favor. And so, I just thought it'd be good to have some testimonies. All right. No one else? Well, I, wanna, I, wanna do, I do want to give you a couple other testimonies that will be interesting to you, um, I believe. Uh, let's start with, um, and I, I just want to, well, I want to reiterate on the one I shared before. I, I wish everyone could have been in the room today. Uh, I mean, I've baptized somebody in a hospital bed before, and that was pretty sweet. But, but it, was, it was incredible, the presence of the Lord. And, and I'll just tell you, uh, I, I didn't know Trey that much, but I, maybe I mentioned this before, but I went in yesterday. And, I mean, I've known the family. I've done a, a funeral already for someone in the family um, I've been, done multiple hospital visits. Other people in this uh, related to Dave um, uh, did a wedding, and so I've I've been on a path with them for some time. But but I haven't really spent a lot of time with Trey. I've just been praying for him on the outside, getting updates from from Dave. And I walked in that hospital room yesterday, and uh, I said his he was there because he started getting numb in his legs, he couldn't really walk, and he pushed himself on the bed, and he glanced onto me, and. Uh, you know, he's a year older than me. He's 43. He looks younger than me. But we, he latched on me, and I'm not joking. It must have been like seven or eight minutes that just everybody in the room, he just held on to me, and he had me sit on the bed and just held my hand. Now, men of God that can do that, and there wasn't one weird feeling about that at all. 
but he just held on to my hand, and we sat there, and we and just tears rolling. It was just yesterday and today are, are some of those things that when you have rough times in ministry, those those carry you on. So God, as long as you're using me, you know, as long as I can be a vessel, had nothing to do with me. It was just God made made me available for that moment. But um, it was awesome. Well, uh, last night we got approval from the city for our project. It was a final approval. So um, if if you would ha- have been able to be there, it really, the, the amount of seats and all, I would have announced it so everybody go. But if we all showed up there, it would have been, uh, it would have been different than normal for them. Uh, but our engineers there, Jen and I, and then Lynn Blankenship, uh, who is Pastor Jim's widow, the one that started the church, was, was there. And um, there were some things we were asking for that wasn't normal. Um, for one, uh, most cities only require you to have three part, or for every three people in the building, let me say this right, for every four seats in the sanctuary, one parking space. That's normal. In Centerton, it's three to one. And at $2.75 per square foot of concrete, uh, it's a pretty significant amount because it was like from 80-some parking spaces down to 60-some, and they gave us a waiver for that. Uh, Also, uh, we would be able to save a little money on the back of the building, our admin part, where we, during the week when people want to come to the office, we want to put a gravel drive back there, which is not typical to allow gravel. Um, But the reason we wanted to not pave it is because phase two could end up expanding onto that part, and we just tear up something we paid for. And that was going to cost around $15,000, $20,000. And they were originally telling us they'd only give us a year until we'd have to pave it. So can you imagine after we just get the loan, we just get done, it just converts, we're probably getting our first payment, and now we've got to come up with another fifteen twenty. And they gave us the ability to attach that requirement to whenever we do phase two, whenever that is. So at that point, if we want to make the gravel drive go away, we can. I mean, completely. So it's, um, yeah, that was a big blessing. Uh, there are several other things. I won't get into the details. It might not make sense t- to anyone here because it took me a while for it to make sense. But the main thing is is that they uh, delayed a little bit, kind of belabored it a little. And I won't say who, but we had someone in the city who spoke up and was an advocate for us who kept it from going the wrong direction. And so God gave us favor. So it's that's done. Uh, we're working through the next steps. Things are looking a lot more up for breaking ground in May. Uh, basically, the prayer request right now is this. We have to break ground by mid-May. We need a bank on board. And I was still struggling with which one to go with because we had each one had some things we didn't like. Um, I've been put in contact with a bank today that's uh, been proven recently to to be very favorable to faith-based organizations. So we're gonna we're gonna call. The, I've already got a message out to them. We're gonna try to get that going. And by Monday, I'm hoping by Monday we have a loan in process um, that they're working on approval. So pray for that because we need to because the appraisal may take four to six weeks and. It can. It can take less, but we need God's favor in that. So I want to give that praise report. I think that is all for the praise reports that I have for now. Let me put this back up here. Um, I know we've got some more folks scheduled for this Sunday night at uh, Jen and I's house. That's been going great. Um, we had a great time. Each time it's been great. Uh, I will say this. Uh, if you could do us one favor, we've... we've um, it's not been a big issue, but we just noticed one thing to help Jen with preparing the meals because she goes and shops for a certain number, and then once she shops, uh, you know, some of that stuff could be saved for the next time if she doesn't prepare it. So last-minute things may come up, but we just ask that if there's any um, anything that would prevent you from coming, that as soon as you know, you tell us and not wait till last minute because 
what we can do is also we found that there might be someone that last minute they can come and fill that spot and get to know folks. We want to keep it at least 16 adults, 14 to 16 adults every Sunday night. So please just be sensitive of that if you get, when you get invited to come. Um, just know that if something's going to come up, as soon as you know, let us know so we can maybe get someone else that week and then reschedule you another time. All right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, this is a little different format tonight. I'm going to give you a little forewarning. This is something a little more similar to what I have done in the past. And um, it worked pretty well, but I did it when we had a few more people in, in the seats. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of scripture to look up. How many are, how many are favorable to you reading? If I call on you, you got a Bible or you can get one very fairly soon. All right, Nathan, I'm going to have to tell him what my made up title for this message is. It's supposed to just be favor of the Lord, but in, in my creativeness, favor is not a flavor to savor, but a savior for all who waver. Say that three times fast, or you can just say the favor of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 61 is where we're going to start, and I will read this, uh, that the, fo- the, the foundational uh, passage that we're going to be on, and then I will get your help on some of the other texts as we move through. Uh, different than what I've done on su- the last three Sundays, we're not going to pick one, one thing verse by fir- verse the whole way. We're going to add some other uh, texts. Isaiah chapter 61, it's the whole chapter. The year of the Lord's favor. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty. And the, the liberty there in some translations, uh, it's freedom. The Hebrew word for freedom is used there. Uh, to, so li- liberty or freedom to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, or another translation is beauty for ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness. It's a strong wood. Oak, mighty oak. Oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that they may be glorified, that they will build up uh, the ancient ruins, that they shall rise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and uh, vine dressers. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God, and you shall eat the wealth of the nations and in their glory you shall boast instead this is verse 7 instead of your shame there shall be double portion instead of dishonor they shall rejoice in their lot therefore in their land and they will possess a double portion they shall have everlasting joy for i the lord love justice i hate robbery and wrong i will faithfully give them their recompense and i will make an everlasting covenant with them their offspring shall be known among their nations and their descendants in the midst of their peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring of the Lord that the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul, my, my soul shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. 
as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Verse 11, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts and as the garden causes what is sown, causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. So you can read this, and in your context, in your life, you can lose a lot of the translation, the feeling for this. Not the translation, but the context. You've got to understand, Israel has a conquered nation several times over. People who, who have been burdened by captivity and slavery. You know, God's proclaiming that my people will be the ones in control and not only that not only will i bring punishment to those who have oppressed you but they will even be okay with their position serving you because they will find basically they will find solitude in their chastisement in their punishment now that's pretty amazing when you can have how many knows that if you had someone as a servant and we don't live in those days but you had someone as a servant if they were happy to be your servant wouldn't that make it a lot easier you know, if you had that, a good relationship or if they, they realized that they needed the discipline that you bring. So in the first verse, the Hebrew word, as I said, freedom, is a technical term in the Old Testament, uh, that word they use for freedom. It was used in the Old Testament for jubilee released, the release of jubilee, of joy, of, a, of an abundant joy. So imagine yourself in ancient Israel celebrating the most solemn of feasts, the Day of Atonement. This is, this is a very, um, very solemn celebration. This, however, is not just any old Yom Kippur. It's the, 15th, uh, the 50th, I'm sorry, the 50th year. It's the 50th anniversary. And on this day, a musical instrument formed out of a ram's horn is sounded in order to herald the year of Jubilee that we find in Leviticus chapter 25. If somebody wants to turn, Leviticus chapter 25, 2 5, verses 8 through 10. Leviticus chapter 25, verses 8 through 10. Now, if somebody needs a Bible, there are, on some of the chairs, you can kind of move around if you need one, and um, they're underneath, or, or you can raise your hand, somebody can get you one. All right, who will read? You got it? Okay. Or another translation, your clan, you know, the tribes, the different, the different peoples of the, of the nation. Think of this, captured people. Their leaders are in captivity just like their followers. And, and think about the inauguration of the president, whichever president has been your favorite. Let's, let's put it in a positive light. Think about that. Think about the pomp and circumstance and the big uh, production that's put on, right, for this and what God's given this vision is you are a people. This is getting them out of the mindset of captives. How many knows that somebody that's in slavery very long almost begins to let it be a part of them? 
uh, Dave Ramsey talks about in the realm of poor versus, uh, poor versus um, broke. That poor is a state of mind. Poor, when, when, you, when someone is poor, that, that means that's a lifestyle for them. Well, if they're broke, that's just I'm passing through. Right now I don't have money, but I plan to have money one day. And I've got a plan and I'm moving on. And it's kind of that same thing. We are a captive people, but we're passing through that. God's given them that, that victory uh, declaration that this is 50th year. You're going to blow the trumpet and it's gonna, now you're going to be reinstated and, and uh, you'll return to your clans and the leaders will be back to the leaders and they will be the ones who are the conquerors. So it's a year of release when, uh, when they're indentured servants and they're restored to their inheritance and families are reunited. See, you know, some of these Israelites, can you imagine, can you imagine a Walmart executive who, who, who all of a sudden the worst of all worst happens? Maybe not ISIS. Maybe we got this Russia thing all wrong. They come in and they capture the United States, right? And we're in captivity. And you're used to your brand new, whatever the newest Corvette is. What is that? What's the newest one? I saw one today with that nice, it's the only one I've seen with a nice back, what do you call it, the tail fin. And it looks sweet. Come on, car guys in here. What's the, no, the newest Corvette, what's it is? What's the model? Z06, see? I knew I'd get it if I waited long enough. Z06, it looks like the Batmobile. I could just imagine. You get capped, there goes a Batmobile. You're, you're over there pulling the tow line, you know. Oh, we, oh, oh, oh. With the guy that worked for you before, right? He's the guy's like, hey, can you go get me some coffee, right? And now, so, you know, it's not a really a power struggle, but, but this is a different day and time, and they're excited because God is saying, you are going to be restored to your inheritance. Families reunited. So those that all they had was their family, that's their wealth, right? And the opportunity is given to start again. Like our tagline, our motto at New Beginning, are you ready for a fresh start? It's a new day. Huh? New song. What did I say? New beginnings. They need to adopt that. It's really a good one. That was prophetic. Accept it and go on, brother. So now fast forward to a synagogue in Nazareth where a young man is reading out loud from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he chooses a section which seems to touch upon just such a time. This young man is literally speaking in a synagogue, which is not normal, right? Because he's a young man, and he's speaking about such a time. So somebody turned to chapter, um, chapter Luke, chapter four, Luke the fourth chapter, verses eighteen and nineteen. See if somebody can beat Belinda. She's got lightning fingers there. She's, she's there. Okay, sister, eighteen and nineteen. Yes, ma'am. Yes. So, so listen. Like when I was in that hospital room, and Trey asked me, "Is like how how do you how do you um." How do you do this? How do you, I, you know, I've had stuff I, that I did in my past. I've asked forgiveness, but I just feel so bad about that. And I, I said, listen, God has said, he's promised, he's forgotten us from the, as far as from the east to the west. Well, how do I live as a Christian? How do I do this? I said, listen, it's a relationship. He has uh, the most powerful relationship with his twin boys. There are 13 that I have probably seen anywhere. Those boys went down to the gift shop and brought him back this book that said, why sons need their father. And, and you could just see those boys and how tight he is. And I said, think about how you are with your boys and magnify that a million 
million times. And God the Father just wants so bad for you to have a relationship like that with Him, even more so. And, and so this living the Christian walk is communing with Him and then sharing that and, and spreading that and, and helping other, others understand they have a good Heavenly Father who loves them, a good, good Father, as we sang earlier. And so, and so here, uh, this young man this, in the synagogue is proclaiming, uh, proclaiming the good news. But he stops mid-sentence at the acceptable year of the Lord without mentioning the day of vengeance of our God. So he's referencing this Old Testament scripture, this, uh, this part that they know as Isaiah 61.2, where it says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, but he stops before he gets there. He's just talking about the year of the Lord's favor. And so as he sits down to preach, all eyes are upon him because they're probably anticipating, now let's get to the juicy part, right? Uh, Jerry Springer, why was that show so popular? Some of you, it wasn't popular with me. No, I mean, why was it popular large, largely? Why are tabloids popular? Right? Drama, we call it drama, but really other people's suffering sells, right? Other people's suffering. So they're waiting intently. Where is he going with this? So as he sits down to preach, all eyes are upon him. And then Luke chapter 4, verse 20. So uh, Sister Pat, since if you're still there, can you just share verse 20? All right. Anybody seen the Princess Bride? And the grandpa telling a story? And, and the grandson's giving a little bit of a hard time because he doesn't like the kissing parts and all that stuff, right? And so he's like, you don't want to hear this, right? You know, let's just go on. Anybody else seen the Princess Bride? Okay, as you wish, right? And so he closes the book, and the boy's like, no, oh, oh it's okay, Grandpa. I can, I can make it through those parts. Tell me the rest of the story, right? We got this young man who's telling something that people all ready for the punchline, and he closes the book and hands it back to minister. Like, that is all, right? And they, they, they're wondering the story isn't finished. So... He's done this, and his voice echoes forth as clear as any trumpet. There, there's some correlation here to this, this ram's horn and this 50-year celebration and this pomp and circumstance, and the trumpet is sounding, right? And what is this foreshadowing? What do you think this might be foreshadowing? Here, here's, here's this young man. You know where we're heading with this as far as who it is, but this trumpet is sounding, and there's this talk of this 50-year celebration of being out of captivity. What is it foreshadowing? The, com- the coming of the, and even the return of, of, of Jesus at, at the rapture, right? When the trumpet sounds. So, so we've got this powerful moment. And so his voice echoes as far and as uh, forth as clear as any trumpet. And then this day, it says, this day is, uh, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. This day is the scripture fulfilled in this ears. And so there is a stir in the congregation. What do you mean? This day is this scripture fulfilled in your, year, in your ears. He didn't finish the story. He's telling them it's fulfilled in their ears. Well, we know this young man. He is the son of the carpenter, or so they think, right? As Jesus is what is being referred to. But whatever is he saying? So Sister Pat, I hate to keep picking on him, but since you're already there, Luke... Chapter 4, verses 21 and 22. 
Yeah, they're amazed because you know what? They know, they know what he's talking about, and they're waiting for the judgment part. And, and this is the Son of God that's saying, you know what, you've, you've spent your time in captivity, but there's a day that his people are going to be called out of that, and they'll be restored back to their inheritance. And, and you know, they must be getting excited because they're thinking, oh, is this tomorrow, and we're going to be back to a nation again? But what Jesus is really talking about is the kingdom of heaven, the eternal kingdom. And so... They wonder at the gracious words that fall from his mouth and those same words pierce their hearts, but they can't bring themselves to accept his message. The amazement is because we just can't quite believe it. Tim Hawkins does a little spot, Christian comedian, about how we overuse words. Unbelievable. He says, you know, everybody, he's with a friend of his and they're eating some deer sausage. And his friend says, oh, this deer sausage is unbelievable. He says, no, it isn't. I mean, it's some good deer sausage, but it's not unbelievable. He says, now, if an eagle wearing a tuxedo swoops down out of the sky and drops some deer sausage in your mouth, man, that's unbelievable. I mean, because that's an eagle wearing a tuxedo swooping down from the sky and dropping some deer sausage in your mouth. But the deer sausage itself is good, but it's not unbelievable, right? Is now, now, if you're Catholic, that, that, would be, uh, that would be normal. They see things like that all the time, is what he says. But, but anyway, um, so they just can't quite accept it because the God that they think they serve, they're used to being pulled into correction with captivity and other things all the time. You know, and I, I don't want to keep <laughs> referencing back and, and use Trey's situation, but he ministered to me today because it's so refreshing to see someone who is just so tender and, and just has like childlike faith at that moment. He didn't realize it, but it's literally what I knew he was touching the heart of God uh, because he's just like, it, it feels so complicated. You know, faith, faith is hard. That's the hard part, Right? I debate on telling this one. I had to tell this on my son. So yesterday, one of my boys, I'll do that, one of my boys was struggling, and I didn't find out till later in the day, but Jen had a lot of problems with him, and he was, had a bad attitude. And so he'd gone all day, and, and uh, we had had the city planning meeting, so we were actually, Jen was fixing dinner by about 7.30 or 8, and so we were eating some good lasagna about 8.30, which was past our bedtime. And they didn't stay up. And then we had some dessert, and it was really good. And we were watching Tim Hawkins, you know, on, uh, on YouTube, and having dinner and just laughing. And, but, but Colton and Lily, Colton and Lily, I told. Uh, <laughs> one of my boys and Lily can never seem to get along. It's like one of them takes care of her, his good big brother, the other one always fighting. So I have a rule that my dad had. Men do not hit women, sisters or otherwise, even playing around. We're not going to get in that habit. Well, she, she does wrong. She smacks him. He smacks her back. She starts crying, right? So I, I didn't lose my temper or anything, but I got his temper. I slapped the table. I said, you know the rules in this house, right? So then the face puckered. The eyes drew beady, and it was on. You could see the fumes going. I didn't know what kind of rough day he had spiritually, but I had just pushed it over the edge. And so I took him in the bedroom, and we talked. I tried to encourage him. I thought, man, I had just a good spirit to talk to my son. We prayed, hugged, went out. And I don't know what, just something triggered him again. It was right back to it. And I said, you know, that's enough. You need to go to bed. Get on your knees, whatever you need to do, but you're not going to run our time. You go to bed so we can go to bed happy, right? Well, after Caleb finished, Caleb's just sitting there eating his cake. He, he's not paying attention to anything going on, you know. 
And he goes to bed, they go brush their teeth, and Caleb comes back a little bit later, and he says, Dad, he's whispering. Then what Colton knows he's telling, he says, Dad, I know why Caleb, or why Colton's having such a rough time today. He told me. I said, okay, what is it? He said, well, he's been struggling on believing if God is real. Now, keep in mind, Colton got filled with the Holy Spirit with evidence speaking tongues a few years back, and he has prayed through some things that he's seen some miracles happening through praying in the Spirit. And so, for some of you that struggle, just know it doesn't matter what age you are. And he's had a real struggle. And what happened is he had something on a, a toy on a stand. And I will tell you, my son Colton probably knows the Word of God better than me. I, I hate to admit that, but he does. He has read his Bible through probably three times now. And he will stay up all night if he gets away with it, reading and not get, get sleep. And so he started quoting scripture to the Lord and said, you say in your word, if you have faith in the monster seed, say this mountain be moved. And so all I want you to do is I want you to make that toy fall off my shelf and then I'll believe you're real. And it didn't fall off. So apparently he prayed later in the day and it didn't fall off. And he got so frustrated with God. He said, I'm asking you to do one simple thing. This was Caleb's telling me. I'm telling you almost verbatim. He said, and he said, I asked God to do one simple thing he couldn't. So I, I'm, I'm probably going to switch to a different religion. And here, that was the kind of day my son had had. And I had a full day, and we didn't know. So I tried to go to bed. And me and Jen, you know, like parents do, is like, oh, kids, they'll get over it. But my spirit started stirring. I said, I called out, Colton, come in here. I said, sit down. And it was one of those things I didn't prepare. I'm not this good, you know. I struggled as a dad. I hadn't really done good for him that, uh, that day. And I said, tell me a story of Job. And I'm going to tell you, he told it in such detail, I probably could have had any translation out, and he didn't miss one lick. I think he even stopped at the punctuation correctly. And he told me parts of it that I was like, oh, yeah, that is how that goes. But the Holy Spirit starts stirring that. I didn't even really understand why I asked him that. And he starts telling it, and he gets to the part where he says, and even Job's wife said, curse God and die. But then he goes on to a part that I forget, that his friends come to him and say, you know what, you must have sin in your life, that's why. And if you would confess your sin, then God would heal you. God would take care of you. And Job says, if I had sin, I wouldn't. You know, anyway, I'm not going to go through the whole dialogue, but, but at the end, God tells Job, basically, I'm paraphrasing, can you make the sun rise or set? God basically tells Job, listen, you've had no control over this. You don't have control over some things. I'm God, and you trust me, and I'll come through, and Job gets restored. And as he told that story, the Holy Spirit says, ask him, can you make the sun rise or set? I said, son, can you make the sun rise or set? Tears started streaming out his face. He said, no. I said, you know why he can't? Because there is a God, and we are not him. And in that moment was the Holy Spirit was a good daddy to my son when I didn't know what to do. And, you know, we struggle for God's favor in our families and our lives. And we wonder, how is this? And, I, and Trey's asking me, how do you just be a good Christian? How do you do this? And you know what? I just kept telling him something that I thought I was giving him an answer to just what I could give him, but it was more true than I realized. You commune with God, you have a relationship with him, and now that relationship and reading the instruction book he gave you. To obey is better than sacrifice. Right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And to love others as yourself. And even love your enemies. And when, when you start connecting all the dots and you realize that out of the abundance of the relationship we have with God, his favor comes upon our lives and we're just not that good i know i'm not 
And so the, we have these powerful moments and God will raise your family up and he will change it. He will change where there's back talking and backbiting and, and all kinds of stuff that you just like, how did we get here? Because you've got to start listening to the Holy Spirit. You've got to take a breath and give him the opportunity to speak through you. And they can only do that if you've been speaking to him. You've been speaking to the Lord. So we know these gracious words to fall out and they're expecting some condemnation to come along with this great rejoicing that's going to happen when they're restored. But there's obviously punishment like they've gone through. And then Luke chapter 4, verses 23 through 30. I'm going to give Sister Pat a break. Can someone else get to Luke chapter 4, verses 23 through 30? That's it. And so, you know, there's some scholars that, that obviously they attest that this is, this is referencing about Jesus. But in Isaiah, where we're reading this, is that um, Isaiah, you know, he doesn't, um, the prophet uh, commissioning took place when the live coal was placed on his lips. So when we're talking about Jesus and the anointing that came on here, Isaiah had the moment where his anointing came when his lips were cleansed by the burning coal. And so, so we hear this little uh, discourse about some are not accepted in their own town. And I've experienced that. When my, when my dad pastored in Rogers for Assembly of God and when he retired and the next pastor gave me a chance once in a while to come preach there while I was in Bible school, or my dad did, you know, there's a lot of older people that knew me since I was in sixth grade and they loved me and they'd listen. But I can't tell you that I had big responses at altars. Now, I could just say I didn't preach very well. Sometimes I think I might have preached better then than now. But, but is really there's this principle that that you aren't accepted but for the anointing of the lord because jesus was able it even talks about jesus went to his hometown area right and he wasn't able to do a lot of miracles there because he wasn't powerful enough no it was their faith it's the thing i keep trying to drill into everyone here to make sure you know when a tv preacher i'm picking on that because that's the obvious one for everybody because it's on tv when a tv preacher falls morally people begin to question whether real ministry took place there. It did, 
because invariably when there's thousands of people, someone in that crowd actually believed in the Lord. They didn't know the mess that guy was in, and they were blind to some of his shenanigans, but they believed and God answered their prayer. It was between them and God. No credit to the minister, right? So we understand that this gives us comfort. The reason I tell you that is not as a negative. It gives us comfort that some of us who, who feel like we're inadequate to be ministers of the gospel or to speak, I don't know the word of God, Pastor CJ, like, like you may know. I don't know it like your son may know. But, but here's the thing. As God and the Holy Spirit anoints you as if Isaiah, like that coal, touched your lips, and he's prepared you because he will give you the words to say. It doesn't give you a free ticket to not study the word and get better in your knowledge of his word. It just says in the moment when you need it that he will give you the words to speak. As I said again, today it was a miraculous thing and I didn't come prepared with notes, which I need. I have somebody that's actually been praying for me. They told me that one day I won't need notes. So I'll just be able to get up here and go. And I, said, I, I hate to tell them, you might as well not pray that because I'm going to need notes. <laughs> uh, the Holy Spirit can work through your notes too. But much of the language used uh, of the, um, in this in the first three verses, might be applied to those who first heard the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 7. The Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. So, so they're hearing this same message about that um, God is, yes, he's coming to free you, but it's a spiritual freedom. It's a freedom from our sin, not from a physical, worldly oppression of being captured and in captivity. Luke 24, verses 45 through 47, then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So it is uh, the decided opinion of, of Peter that the anointed one of the passage before us, the Messiah in the Hebrew, or Christ in the Greek, uh, the Messiah in the Hebrew, or Christ in the Greek, is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. And then one other reference we can draw to that, that ties into these passages is Acts chapter 10, verse 38, where it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And then the Spirit of the Lord God, in Isaiah 61, 1, came upon him at his baptism. So we see that in 61.1, the Spirit of the Lord uh, God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He's anointed you. Some of us need to pray in God and ask God, anoint me for ministry. Anoint me. Touch the coal. My, my son Colton, he actually prayed that when he re said he felt like he was being called to be a missionary. He said in his dream or in his time of prayer, he saw God touching a coal to his lips. And so, you know, there's something powerful in this understanding because where does most, most of our problems really start in our lives? I know where mine does. Right here between the nose and the chin. This anointing of the lips because when you speak the word of God, we, we talked about this in the Sunday message, right, in that series, that the character needs to, the character needs to proceed. Yes, you need to walk the walk in front of others. It needs to proceed your testimony and your, your proclaiming of the gospel but you still have to proclaim the gospel. So Isaiah's acceptable year began when Jesus preached that sermon not long after his baptism. And it's the year of the Lord's favor. And basically the idea is we are in the era from the time of Christ Jesus preached that sermon until the Lord comes uh, and there's a judgment day. 
that we are in the era of the Lord's favor. Well, how can you say that? Because look at all the bad stuff happening in the world. Well, it's been happening for a long time. We're in the era of the Lord's favor. Why? Because we still have a chance for repentance. Because people still have a chance to believe. That is the Lord's favor. That is what was being proclaimed. This is what Jesus was proclaiming. You're worrying about your earthly struggles and your earthly captivity and you're worrying about your job and you're worrying about your finances and you're worrying about this and he doesn't want you to worry. Don't worry about tomorrow and worry about self. Don't gloat about the good old days because that's foolishness. He wants you to live listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, walking in it and let him take care of everything else because it's all about eternity, not the temporary. So we begin to connect all the dots to Scripture and understand that, that this this is the mode he wants us to walk in. Man, it's like a drug when the Holy Spirit starts speaking through you. Like today, I'm like, I, I don't know how all that happened. I don't know how I had those words to say. I'm like, I wanted to record it because in my selfishness, my pride that came in afterwards, I didn't necessarily think I was going to want to take credit for that, but I wanted to at least with myself go over here and say, woo. We have a guy in the Bond Slaves Motorcycle Ministry. He's a pastor of a big church and they call him Wahoo is his road name because he's like, woo! And I accidentally did it tonight. But you know, the disciples struggle with that. When the Holy Spirit starts working through you and you have those moments, you want to take, you want to, they kind of want to take credit, right? You have to guard your heart of that. But, but the thing is, it's, it's a, a wide open life as we talked about it on Sunday when the Lord begins to work through you and you serve and the Holy Spirit works through you. 2 Peter 3.9 in the English Standard Version, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach a repentance. However, eventually the sands of time will pass, and there will be a time when there is no more time for repentance. And so there, it is a matter uh, to expedite. That, that we, we let the Holy Spirit anoint us, and we become ministers of the gospel, and we walk in such a way that we've discussed tonight that others may come to know him. Like Jan mentioned, this lady, she has had a power encounter with the Lord over a, over a temporary material thing, but what did Jesus do many times when he performed miracles? He met the temporal need, but first he addressed the spiritual one. And Jan's been addressing the spiritual one as an ambassador of Christ to her, and then God said, okay, you're in like mind with me. Now let me show you what I'll do. Right? You, you know that scripture talks about, um, did someone ask me about this a while back? Chelsea, was this related to the scripture? Whatever you loose on, on earth must be loose in heaven, right? And some people take that as like we can just, whatever we say, we got this power to just make it happen. But, but really when you get into that and the actual translation was saying it's saying that when you pray when you speak in accordance with what god has already spoken in other words when you speak his promises and it's for the right motives because sermon amount is all about our motives behind why we serve him not how we serve him but the motives behind and so when you do that with the right heart then the power of god is released and the favor of god comes into your life god's heart is for those children at new beginnings and it's a no-brainer to me. Now, it's not a no-brainer when Ken's going two years without a paycheck, right? And he's having to wait on God, like Job had to, to get through the suffering for the favor of God to show up. But when it shows up, it's over the top. It's extravagant. 
Hebrews 2.3 in the English Standard Version, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. So the church has also been anointed to proclaim a message of good news, and all believers have something to say to the meek, to the brokenhearted, to the captives, and to those who are bound of our generation. We, had a, we have a word of comfort to those who mourn. We have good tidings of great joy to those who lay it down for the, at the feet of Jesus. And uh, we have a part in rebuilding the wasted places, as it refers to in Isaiah 58, 12. The wasted places. Our land is becoming a wasted place. And we are the power of God in this land, in the flesh. Christ's ambassadors. We are. Uh, Jesus has let us be his representative. We are not him. But he has given us that authority under him to step out and do greater things than even he did. Isaiah 58, 12 says, And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. So if your family or if you've got relatives or friends and things to be like in shambles, you need to stand up and, and believe. Let the Holy Spirit anoint you become the priest of that situation or the priestess of that situation and speak in accordance with God's word into that situation and see him go to work. The favor of the Lord. Being priests of the Lord, interceding on behalf of a troubled world and being ministers to the people, Isaiah 61.6, serving their best interests for the glory of his name. So we're going to go ahead and end here. I did go over time. I got excited. So um, I had a page of notes left, literally, but we're, we're good. God has got uh, everything that we need for tonight. There is a city that we have been placed in, and some of you live in surrounding cities, but God has placed you at New Song, and we have a lot of work to do. And it doesn't have to feel like work when the Holy Spirit is lighting us up and we're having power encounters like that. In fact, Jan, how excited are you to get back and have another conversation with her when, the God, when God opens the door? In work where it's boring and everything's uneventful, but when God makes your work uh, another extension of your church service, when God makes your home an extension of the power that's happening that you experience when you come together with believers, when God takes your children and sets them there and the Holy Spirit speaks through you and literally changes the course of their life possibly. Not possibly, but I just don't know the end result, but he's, he changed a direction by the power of his word. That's living in the favor of the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your, for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. Lord, on a day that I was exhausted mentally and I questioned whether we needed to even get into this word because I didn't know whether I had what it took to deliver it. God, you have, you have energized me. Lord, I can't hardly sit still. And God, so I know that you have been energizing spirits in this room. Lord, those who are tired from their work week and from the exhaustion of their lives, that God, right now, the power of your word has begun to stir in their spirit something supernatural, something unbelievable, God, that you're going to release in their lives and they're going to see the favor of you in their families, in their workplace, Lord. God, we often relate the favor to just financial blessings, but God, I'm praying that we have a spiritual revival in each heart, that your favor is shown in their spiritual walk. Light us up with the Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name.
In the name of Jesus, I, I proclaim right now, Lord, I just believe with your power and your might, God, that there are chains, there are things being broken in someone's life right now, God. That, Lord, while they come in with a smile on their face, there is something burning them and weighing them down. And, God, I pray right now that they step to this altar, Lord, that they don't wait. They need to bury that. Jesus, I hear your voice. You want to carry it for them. You want to take it. You don't want them to walk out of here with that. It's been weighing them down too long, and they need to leave it right here and now. Let it be buried and gone. That broken heart, that disappointment, that person that they are burdened over, Lord, they need to leave it at your altar and let them be in your hands and let it be a matter of prayer but not a matter of, of hurt. Lord, I pray they reconcile that with you and that they, they don't go to bed tonight before they get on their knees and give it back to you, Lord, because you've, you've offered to take it from them. Let them feel your freedom. Lord, let them feel the release of the jubilee, abundant, overflowing joy that comes from that freedom. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Love y'all. And um,